0: hey hello what's up yo 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 big sky breakdown how you doing colter nuanez skyline thanks for hanging with us appreciate you for listening in big sky breakdown four editions each week Each Monday, we'll have the press conferences for both Montana head coach Bobby Halk and whatever players he's accompanied by, as well as Montana State head coach Brent Vegan. Then each Wednesday or Thursday, we'll have our analysis-based podcast featuring Southland Sports lead analyst Ty Gregorak, longtime college football coach, now a burgeoning media member, Brooks Devanez, co-founder and lead analyst at Skyline Sports, Andrew Houghton, contributing writer and contributing podcaster at Skyline Sports, and sometimes we'll have a fourth uh, an analyst contributor as well. And then on Fridays, we'll always have our interviews podcast around the big sky. This week's interviews podcast features interviews with Sacramento State sophomore running back Cameron Scadabo, I think one of the most underrated players in the league. We're trying to make him not underrated. That's why we're having him on the podcast. Worldwide fame when you come on the big sky breakdown. But Cameron Scadabo is uh uh, just nasty, man. He is so good in space. He's also a tough runner, lowers his shoulder. Uh, he's just uh, hes a really, really talented guy, a really key to Sacramento State's offense. We'll also hear from one of our favorites, Bruce Barnum, the head coach of Portland State. They got their first victory of the year, which also happened to be their first Big Sky Conference victory of the season. We'll also hear from Nick Tabor, Westpac Wealth, Nick is uh, my financial advisor, but also a great Grizz fan, great football mind, really fun to talk football with him. And so it's a kind of a little bit of a conversation between friends about football in the Big Sky Conference, University of Montana, Lean, as well as the Nick's financial tip of the week. We'll also hear from Keaton Galoglies, the new play-by-play man for the Montana State Bobcats Fun catching up with him, learning about some of his background. And then we'll hear from Sagan Gronauer. He is the... uh, Sophomore quarterback for the Idaho State Bengals made his first start last week against Montana. Expected to make his second start this week at Montana State as Idaho State plays in Bozeman for homecoming. Big Sky Breakdown presented... By the Hype House Cycling Studio as well as Strength Studio. Now I'm going to a strength class right after I get done recording this exact here intro. It's been great for my physical and mental health, and uh, also presented by Hot House Yoga. Hot House uh, is so good for the internal peace, the mindfulness, the relaxation, but also the uh, core strength and the alignment, both physically, mentally, spiritually, all of it. And gotta thank Elevate Nutrition and Nutrition on Reserve partner stores that are partners of ours, keeping me fueled up all football season as well. Also our Standard slate of awesome sponsors Blackfoot Communications, Opportunity Bank, JNV Restaurant Supply, Nick Tabor, and Westpac Wealth, and of course, Town Pump Food Stores. Here's the Big Sky Breakdown. Get things kicked off. Cameron Scatabo, star running back for Sacramento State. Next, Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. Big Sky Breakdown rolls on. We are joined now by one of my favorite players in the league, a guy who has emerged as one of the top running backs, not only in the Big Sky Conference, but in the FCS. It's Cameron Scadabo. He's a sophomore at Sacramento State. The Hornets, the two-time defending Big Sky Conference champions, are off to a 4-0 start. Their first 4-0 start in 30 years. Since 1992, it's been since Sac State got off to a 4-0 start. Sac State got their first Big Sky Conference victory last week, 49-21 over Cal Poly. So, Cameron, let's start there. You guys, played Colorado State when everybody else in the league was opening up league play. You went to Fort Collins and you drilled the Rams, 41-10. Very impressive victory by you guys. But what was it like sort of uh, after you got done with that game and, and you're kind of looking around the league, everybody else is into league play, you guys aren't into the conference schedule yet, but you're coming off an FBS win.
1: I mean, it was awesome because that was a big win under our belt. We we struggled a little bit last year to win early and being able to get that win under our belt and going 3-0 after that one and uh, beating it. They're a good school. Um, it, I mean, we just looking forward now towards the big sky. I mean, you can't hesitate anymore about preparing for the next team. So as soon as that game was over, it was no fun and giggles. It was straight focus to the next school. So, I mean, it was a good win, and it was a good win for the guys and the coaches and everyone else.
0: You guys have had such good seasons the last uh, couple years, and uh, I know success has eluded you in the playoffs, but here you are after this great start. So what has been the key factors uh, and what has been the motivating factors for you guys here the first month of the year?
1: I mean, we're running the ball well. Or we're throwing the ball well. Our defense is playing really well. I mean, our our O-line is playing a hell of a game. I, I'd probably say the best that they've, they've been playing the last couple of years. I mean, when I, that all comes into factor, you're, you're a good team, so – we just got to keep playing at the same rate we're playing and being able to succeed in all all three or four things. I mean, we're going to keep being successful as long as we do that.
0: Tell me about the guys uh, in front of you, because I know Sac State, I think that's been one of the most underrated factors of the Hornets is the offensive line these last couple years. You know, yourself, Jake Dunaway, Asher O'Hara, You guys, a lot of the skill guys, Pierre Williams, you guys are getting a ton of, uh, of, of recognition. But I think the line play has been very good. I know there's been some turnover there. You had some seniors last year. So just break it down for me. What do you think of the offensive line so far? Who are some of the returners? Who are some of the guys that are back? Who are some of the guys that have uh, sort of stood out here early on in the year?
1: Oh, man, I mean... All five guys up front, even the guys that come in when their when their responsibility is taken over. Uh, I mean, you got from Jackson Slater to Troy Stiefel, Brandon Weldon, um, Nate Mejia, and Ivan Garza. Those those five guys that start every game for for us and block for me initially in the run game. They do a hell of a job, and I appreciate everything they do. I mean, I couldn't ask them for much more. Um, two of them are seniors, and three of them are freshmen going to, or sophomores now, going to be juniors next year. So we have a lot of a lot coming back next year in the front O-line. So I appreciate those guys a lot. They do a lot for me and a lot for the quarterbacks. And I mean, they're able to push to where we we are right now. So that's the whole reason we're, we're playing at a high level.
0: Love watching your guys' run game too, because it seems like, first of all, you yourself have such great vision and patience, but it seems like They make a hole for you, but sometimes the hole might be in a different spot. How would you just describe the the way that they're able to to plow lanes for you? Because it does seem like you just you get to a spot, a lot of teamwork going on up front, and then you yourself you can kind of read it and then make your move where you can.
1: I mean, it's just it's just an instinct playing as a running back. the The line does their job, and not everyone sees it. But there's things that go on on the back end that that they're doing that are supposed to open the hole or or should open the hole when it's supposed to. So, I mean, patience is the key. Playing running back, you have to be able to read everything and know where people are and what your blocks are doing at all times. And, I mean, I trust the guys in front of me. So when when I see a hole, I I trust a guy that's going to trust two guys that are possibly doing something that they're supposed to be doing to do it and get it done. So it's it's a big trust factor in my O-line, and I love it so much.
0: Cameron Scadabo joining us here on the Big Sky Breakdown. He's a sophomore running back for the Sacramento State Hornets. This young man averaging 104 yards per game, second in the Big Sky Conference, only to Montana State quarterback Sean Chambers. And Scadabo averaging 8.5 yards per carry, a pretty hefty yards per carry clip so far for the Hornets. Cameron, uh, tell me about just the the two-quarterback system you guys are running. I remember when Coach Taylor told me last summer coming into the year that you guys were going to do this, you're going to be committed to it. And I was thinking, okay, well, we'll see how this works works it's worked unbelievably well jake dunaway is sort of the the savvy pocket passer and asher o'hara is great in the run game but also can throw the ball a little bit what sort of diversity do you think this gives your offense
1: i mean it gives a lot of diversity to us but before we start there i mean though both of those guys can do both i mean you've seen colorado state asher o'hara went 10 for 10 and jake dunaway had a run or two and also last game they both threw well um and Jake actually ran the ball, so they both do the, do both pretty well, and uh, it gives a lot of diversity because I mean you expect one thing out of each quarterback, but they can both do both. So I mean those dudes being talented, and us as a team and offense, we look at those guys as one. We don't even really realize who's in the game until until they make a play or you know they do they do what they usually do best.
0: How much of that is on them too? Because I mean, it seems like there's the old saying, if you got multiple quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks, but that's not true anymore in modern day college football, especially if the guys get along. So how much of this is just the fact that those two guys, they seem to play off each other as well?
1: Oh, those guys are awesome. I mean, they love each other like they're brothers. Um, I mean, it's it's at the point where they've accepted the role of playing two quarterback system. And I mean, If you go negative at that point and you hate each other and you start thinking about transferring and doing this and doing that, I mean, that's when the team starts to fall apart is when your two quarterbacks don't trust in each other or don't trust in the game plan. Um, And they do that. They, They trust very well in the game plan and what we do. So being able to have them back there is awesome.
0: Big C.I. Breakdown, MT.com's Cameron Scadabo, Sacramento State sophomore running back joining us. Big Sky Breakdown presented in part by Blackfoot Communications. Appreciate Blackfoot for all their continued support of our entire podcast network as well as all of their investment in our business development as well. They're the proud sponsor of our Skyline Sports newsletter as well as a whole bunch of other of our content, our YouTube channel, this Big Sky Breakdown podcast. Appreciate Blackfoot for all their continued support. Let's talk about you. You are a local guy from there right in Sacramento. So tell us about your path to Sac State. I know Troy Taylor has some local ties there. There's great football in that area and he seems like he's put a high priority on recruiting guys from that area including yourself so just tell us about your choice to go to Sac State your path to Sac State what's it been like uh, sort of playing in your backyard there in your hometown
1: I mean it's awesome I've of course I went to different schools going out of high school I, I was recruited by many schools but nobody seemed to want to pull the trigger I mean I don't know what it was but every time I went somewhere they just they didn't think I was their guy so once I came to Sac State and I proved myself to Coach Taylor um I think he he loved it and once he pulled the trigger, I knew I would be here because he was my only opportunity. Sex day was my only way out. And I mean, I live 20 minutes from home, but I still feel like I live hours away. Uh, being at this campus and being at this football team, we're so busy all the time, and being able to work together is just awesome. Um, yeah, it's just it's great being here.
0: I've loved my uh, interactions with Coach Taylor since he was at Eastern Washington in uh, 2016. And then now that he's been back, in the Big Sky Conference, because he's just different than the other coaches in the league. I mean, you can just tell he thinks outside the box. He's so creative, especially with the way that he schemes up the offensive stuff. What's it like playing for a guy like that? And how do you kind of describe just how unorthodox and how creative he can be offensively?
1: I mean, the things we we do during practice and the things we put in over the years, the last two and a half years I've been here is, it's crazy to see. I mean, I didn't think there would ever be so much that, that one team can do during a season and being able to have that guy behind everything and his, his brain works crazily and it's awesome. Um, I mean, I kind of grew up with the same thing and with him being the coach he is, I mean, it's kind of how I lived my whole life, being with my dad. So I saw myself being here at Sac State because it was just so similar to what I've been through my whole life. So um, having him there is just it's a one, he's a role model. He's been through a lot, and two, uh, he's just a great coach, and he's very smart, and it's awesome to have him back there.
0: So your dad then, I'm assuming, is is he a, a football coach as well?
1: Yeah, he, he was my coach growing up, um, and he did an excellent job. I mean, I won five championships in a row when I was younger, went undefeated every year. I mean, he used his brain. I mean, it was just little kids' football, but being able to read the defense, I mean, you can't really read a – a bunch of nine-year-olds running around, but he knew what was going to be open at times. And Coach Taylor has that same mindset, times 10. You know, he's, he's playing against Division one athletes and being able to see that stuff and knowing what they're going to do at all times is, is excellent.
0: Well, you mentioned that uh, coming out of high school, you had a lot of interest, but nobody wanted to pull the trigger. So now here you are and you're well on your way to a second straight All-Big Sky season. Does that stuff from the past motivate you?
1: Uh Definitely. Um, especially when I go to those schools and I play against those teams, um, I mean it makes me feel a lot better knowing that we just beat them and I had a well, I had a pretty well game, showing them basically that they were wrong and they should have pulled the trigger. But I mean, even if they did pull the trigger, I think I still would have ended up here at Sacramento because it's just a great place to be. And staying here at home, playing under under Coach Taylor and playing with all my teammates, and it was just it's just an awesome experience.
0: I love Sacramento State. I love that campus. I love the town of Sacramento. I, I've been down there four times during my last 15 years covering the big sky and, uh, Definitely one of my favorite places There's Such a unique part about Sac State that's that's just so cool and it's, it's so fun. Cameron Scatomo, Sac State sophomore running back, joining us here uh, on the Big Sky Breakdown. Uh, let's talk about this week. Sac State 4 0, 1 0 in Big Sky Conference play. You're back at home for your first conference home game. It's your guys' first home game in quite some time since the opener against Utah Tech. And you got Northern Colorado coming to town. So uh, Bears have had an interesting start so far. They won two in a row, beat Lamar, uh, and then beat Idaho State last week, got into a shootout with Idaho and came out on the wrong side of that one. What are you guys thinking? How are you feeling with Northern Colorado coming to town?
1: I mean, we're just preparing day by day. Um, we start our preparation every Sunday after the game before. Um, so our coaches are behind the scenes doing everything they have to do, grinding on all the, on the concepts we have to do and being able to prepare for that team. So, I mean, I haven't really thought about it much. Um, I'm just going to be behind my coaches, play football, and I'm going to trust whatever they got going for us. Um, I mean, they're a good team. You can't underestimate anybody in this league because we're all almost all eight teams or 10 teams or 12 teams are really good. So um, there's no underestimating anybody at this point because um, anything can happen.
0: Certainly is true. You look at Idaho State and Montana last week and Idaho State almost knocked off the Grizzlies. So there's certainly competition across the board here uh, in the Big Sky Conference. Last thing for you then, Cameron, what are the keys to victory for you guys if you're going to come out on top and move to 2-0 and in Big Sky Conference play?
1: Uh, that's what we hope. Um, playing Northern Colorado it's going to be a good game especially being at home having our own fans for the first time in four weeks Um, it's going to be a great atmosphere and hopefully a lot of people show up and we have a fun time playing this team and being able to show them what sacramento state's all about he's cameron scadabo
0: one of the leading rushers in the big sky conference a sophomore tailback for sacramento state they're off to their first 4-0 start in 30 years sac state hosts northern colorado on saturday night Uh, there at Hornet Stadium. Cameron, appreciate you taking a minute this week, man, and uh, thanks so much for the time. We'll catch up with you later on down the road, but best of luck on Saturday.
1: Of course. Thank you so much. Have a great day.
0: Big Sky Breakdown rolls on. Bruce Barnum, one of our favorites. Portland State, seventh-year head coach, joining us here uh, on the Big Sky Breakdown. This is your Friday edition around the Big Sky. Interviews from around Big Sky Conference football. in Portland State, uh, by a lot of metrics, they say, had the toughest first month of the season in terms of schedule of anybody in the United States of America. But last week, they got off the schneid. They got their first victory, 35-27, uh, in Hillsborough, uh, their first home game of the year. Uh, so, Coach, first of all, to, to start with the win, I mean, it must have been nice to be back home
4: yeah hey first culture thanks for having us you know I, I know uh there's a bunch out there listening to you uh, uh hello to everybody especially the montana groups but uh it was you know um it was a game I thought we were in control of the entire game you know we got they get within eight there at the end but um uh, we learned we learned from a tough ass schedule uh, September was brutal you know two ranked teams and San Jose was doing well and yeah i, I talked to you about this before we should we almost stuck San Jose you know. Um, Washington we got smashed and we went into uh, Washington Grizz and you know my team probably learned Uh, More than anything, that game, you know, uh, here's where you want to be. You know, I thought we competed for, oh, up until 5:21 left in that second quarter, my friend. And then the wheels fell off. And, you know, that Sunday was a a, a, a pretty cool meeting, you know, after Montana. Uh, But it's what I deal with here. You you know, I have to make money for this department. So they have their million dollars, you know, and then you run into the Grizz, you know. So... But ready to go. We got one. Uh, sky's blue. Uh, you know it doesn't get any easier in this conference. Uh, but I like where we're at. We're getting better every week. Uh, that that matters to me, Coulter.
0: What do you think about Northern Arizona? Because I, I think that this league is fascinating because, of like you're talking about some of the scheduling things. I mean, UC Davis had to play a really tough schedule. Northern Arizona had to play a really tough schedule. And so sometimes the non-conference sort of puts you behind the eight ball. And then all of a sudden, you know, you drop a conference game or two. You're sitting there, you're sitting at one and three, sitting at one and four. But I still think NAU is a dangerous team. What was your evaluation of the Lumberjacks after seeing them in person?
4: They are. I mean, they're, uh, my guys, my team did some good things. You know, we got momentum early. We changed some things up for the kid, uh, the quarterback, Sasha I uh, changed some things up. I kind of took the governor off of him. You know, uh, but uh, they're well coached. You know, defensively they uh, did some things that you know uh, were interesting. I mean, they're good. They have good players. eleven number seven on defense. I like their quarterback. You know, they they've got some tools. That's why winning that game was cool. And knowing that they, I mean, Chris and I talked before it about scheduling. I mean, we're talking. You know, while the teams are warming up, we talked about what you and I are talking about right now. You know, their schedule. They went down to Sam Houston and you know snuck seven to three. And um, with one of the, with one of the, where well, I'm off topic already, Colter, but with one of the, <laughs> the most unique turnovers I've seen so far this week, uh, Sam Houston's best drive, right? Put it in together, pop, 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 get down to about the 26 and a half yard line, left middle, you know, going in and they got the the lumberjacks on their heels. Quarterback drops back. <laughs> He throws the ball and it hits it hits the line judge right in the chest. D line from Northern Arizona catches it and returns it about you know 19 yards. And I'm like you know why does that stuff happen to me? But. They're a good football team. I would You can't overlook anybody in this conference, but I was glad to have them here because last time we went there in 19, I thought we, you know, let one slide away, and that's literally when my quarterback slid and they marked us short of the down marker after we are coming back after three touchdowns. So, more um, being down three touchdowns. But everybody, it's the big sky, man. Uh, you know, we need to get through Lincoln, and then, you know, sure as hell doesn't get easier. We have, you know, the Wildcats coming to town after, you know, uh, the win at their place last year. I'm sure Jay's going to uh, get that group fired up. So here we go, conference time.
0: You mentioned Dante Sachery. I know that when we talked when I was in Portland a few weeks ago, you really liked his upside, his potential. You thought it just the game just needed to kind of slow down for him. Looked like it slowed down because he played so fast. I mean, he was the co guy uh, offensive player of the week. Rushed for over 100 yards. Looked really athletic. What What clicked for him last week?
4: Well, Barnum took the governor off. I mean, we go into Washington Grizz. I'm like, okay, here's the plan. We're going to huddle, you know, that you're going to be all together with your group. Then we'll break and we'll run the play. And it looked like, you know, uh, watching paint dry. I mean, we were boring as hell and the Grizz, you know, threw us in the trash can. But so come in, got out of there. We talked. I talked to him, uh, had some good talks. And, you know, uh, now he's running the system that we run. You know, all this governor and trying to break him in easy to hell with that. I said, kid, ready to (laughs) go. You got to perform. You know, here's the system, run it. And you know what? He, he got an A. Um, with our no huddle, I'm talking, you know, with our tempo stuff. And the kid was, he stayed ahead of the chains. He, he was a step ahead. Um, he ran like I knew he could. He, he, he was comfortable. He was comfortable on the field. And he rolled, and it was cool to see. Our receivers played well. Our old line played well. Um, and our defense. I mean, our defense was pretty damn good for three quarters. I think they got tired in the second half the fourth quarter you know i didn't go conservative but i was like okay sash now we're gonna run this option stuff you know in this third quarter burn some clock and you know put the jacks back on the plane but um they stopped us they did a hell of a job uh, with some things uh northern arizona but you know so now the talks with him it changed you know game changes always because this week you know after that win um, it's, okay, now here's how we manage it. You know, I love what you're doing. Mistake, mistake, you know, clean this up, we'll never punt. But here's how you have to manage the game, you know, when you're up three touchdowns, da, 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 da. So now he's progressing. Um, and, and, you know, confidence with this game, you know, go through you play uh, above your capabilities if you're confident. And um, that's what where my team, that's what we gained from that game.
0: Bruce Barnum joining us here on the Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. I also want to ask you uh, about one of your receivers who has uh, been such a good player for several years and, and maybe been overshadowed because you've had a lot of really good receivers. But Mateo Talamotu has uh, been really good and he had three touchdowns in the game. And I know he's a local kid, a guy that's a second-generation Viking. So what has he meant to your program and what have you thought of him so far here uh, in his senior year? A guy that's playing really well right now.
4: Well, he is, culture. I was happy to see him in. And honestly, he's healthy. When Matayo's healthy, I think he can run by you know two thirds or more of the sky uh, of defenders in the big sky. He is fast. He's sneaky fast, um, and he did some things in that. I mean, there's another coaching blunder. He caught three balls that game, Coulter, and they were all three touchdowns. You know, three for three. So Barnum, why in the hell aren't? Why the hell didn't I just throw him the ball like you know 37 times? <laughs> you know, that's just a, a true blunder that you see on Sunday. But no, he's playing well. He's playing with confidence, um, and he's not injured. You know, knock on wood. If I if, if we stay healthy, I'm going to give everybody a run. I'm down. I'm still down four starters. They'll be back for Weber. Um, if I stay healthy, I'm going to give everybody a run in this conference.
0: Well, uh, a step outside of conference play this week and then back into conference play. So I know it's a a weird game. We've talked about some of the background of it. You know, I mean, it wasn't supposed to be this Lincoln, California team that you're playing. But here nor there, it is the team on the schedule on Saturday. But then you get back into the gauntlet and you got three straight really tough opponents, uh, including Weaver State coming to Portland, or I guess Hillsboro on uh, October 15th, and then at Idaho at Eastern Washington. So how do you use this week as a benefit for your squad, Coach? How do you keep them focused on the task at hand while also continuing to get better uh, with Big Sky Conference play uh, returning next week?
4: Well... Uh... First off, this is our business, you know, Saturday. Our business, College Football Saturday, is Lincoln, you know. Uh, so w- we're going to focus on that one. And um, momentum, man. Uh, we t- I said confidence, but you know momentum in this game. Um, I have to take more momentum out of that to get – to the following Saturday, and that gauntlet, I mean, that's three ranked teams um, that you just mentioned that are that are next, um, and we'll take those one at a time, uh, but if I can get some momentum going, get healthy, um, uh, we got a shot, my friend.
0: Bruce Barna, Big Sound Breakdown, Barney, thanks for the time, man. Appreciate it, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Best of luck this week, best of luck the rest of the season, but we'll talk to you probably sooner than later. Thanks for being here.
4: No, I appreciate it, and uh, I'll catch you somewhere down the road.
0: Sometimes we get all stiff and rigamortis about all of our titles in the world. So we got a new title for this. Financial advisor sounds like such a suit. Instead, we're going to call it your, your money coach, your financial coach. That's what Nick Tabor is for me. Tells me all the things I need to do to keep my stuff in line. How do you capitalize on all this stuff? But also, we talk a lot of Grizz and Bobcat and Big Sky Conference football. First of all, congratulations, man. New kid in the world. Pretty fun. How's the mom and how's the baby doing?
5: Baby Ike, he's he's doing awesome. He was born last Tuesday, the 27th. Seven pounds, five ounces. And uh, had his first checkup yesterday, weekly checkup. He's doing great. Mom is recovering well. So it's a busy time at the Tabor household, but it's all good.
6: Good,
0: man. Well, congratulations to you guys. Glad everybody's doing well. Uh, We are sitting down here at the uh, Westpac Wealth office. Uh, You know, recapping all the things, whether it's the uh, financial state of affairs in the world at large or uh, the Grizz football team. So look at you, dude. You're like a real podcaster. You got notes. You got big takeaways. Uh, I think it's funny. The the passion of the Grizz fans is on such full display, no matter if the Grizz win, lose, or play ugly and win like they did on Saturday. People think when they're...
5: I I just stopped bleeding on (laughs) Monday after watching that game.
0: I mean, you win 59, 53, 16 or whatever it was on homecoming. Grizz is the greatest team ever winning the national championship. Next week, you turn the ball over five times as Idaho State. You only win by eight. Oh, my God. We're never going to win the national championship. The manic nature of it is hilarious. But uh, 5-0 and going the bye, pretty good. What What do you think? What are your takeaways right now from the Grizz?
5: Yeah, 5-0 and is, you know, it, from a fan's perspective, we always feel like we should just destroy an team, 0-4 team going in
0: yeah.
5: in Idaho State. I mean, the week before they go... To Northern Colorado of all schools and get beat pretty soundly, so we just always expect that we should go down and crush them. And the fact of the matter is, they got Division One players, they got Division One coaches. First year coach wants to win, so they're going to be ready to roll. And as we were talking about earlier, the Grizz just in the Bobby Hawk teams just always seem to have these games. I think every team does. I mean, what Saturday Georgia barely squeaks it out against Missouri. Georgia's the number one team in the country. So it's just uh, it's why they play the game. and That's why it's so much fun. But it's uh, it's just and it makes things more interesting for us as fans.
0: When it's in it when in the within the week is when everybody's always having their meltdowns. But like in a month from now, people will just look back and be like, well, hey, you know, the Grizz didn't lose that game. So that's fine. Whatever. We're all good. It's just part of the the march. Uh, it's always been tough to play down in uh, Pocatello. I also think it's worth noting that this Grizz group of guys had never played there. That's the Big Sky Conference in a nutshell. But Bobby's been back. Bobby Houck's been back since 2018. Robbie Houck said that on my show. I was like, man, that's true, though. They haven't been there yet, which is crazy. It's so stupid that that's the the schedule is. Why is Holterina so hard to play in? I mean, it's like Hillsborough Stadium in
5: Portland is yeah. a high school state. I mean, it's I get it. It's, a I dog it's because
0: park. I think it's just human nature, man. You just played in front of a, a full sellout crowd on a beautiful day seven days before. You scored 55. I mean, you just ramshackled Portland State. You couldn't beat a team worse than that, It just in terms of taking it from them. And Portland State was competitive for two quarters and then Montana just completely crushed them. I think it's just a natural letdown. I also, you know this though, you're a hooper too. Sometimes there's gyms you just can't shoot in, right? Because the sight lines suck. And even if you're playing a team that sucks, you just don't shoot well because, I mean, Hellgate, you're a Hellgate, Missoula Hellgate guy. Hellgate had a huge advantage because you guys were all used to shooting in there. Nobody's used to shooting in there. All of a sudden, the trombone player is like two feet from the three-point line. You don't. Know Know how to line it up. I just think like the fact that it's dark in there, you look, it looks like 1982. You know, you're sitting on the bench and there's like concrete over your deal. I mean, they don't even have bathrooms in the press box, man. Like the, the coaches are like sprinting to the bathroom, the public bathrooms during the media breaks. Like it, it's, it's just a totally different world. Jeez.
5: Yeah, and I, I think the whole thing, I mean, even. Oh, that's funny. That makes sense because I've heard why the press <laughs> box is so bad. But that's you're the first one that's actually put that in perspective about no bathrooms or
0: I mean, I can miss my tweet of the quarter or whatever, but like the guy calling the place can't. So he's got to like go cut in line in front of everybody. It's not a good situation. That's hilarious. No, and I also think too, like I don't know, you
5: hop on the bus and you drive four hours through uh, southwest Montana, which is, has beautiful parts, but you get up over the pass and Dylan and. Drop down into Idaho, and it's not the most glorious, you know, beautiful landscape. I mean, you just like you're going off into to Pocatello, Idaho, and then it's whole So I get the whole thing, but again, at the end of the day, Idaho State. I mean, they have they have kids that have Division One scholarships. I mean, I think there's a lot sure. to be said about the fact that they're still they're still competitive human beings. And obviously the coaching staff, every coaching staff in the Big Sky has a burning desire to take the Grizz down, which is great. It's exactly how we want it, but um, from, a, from a friend's perspective, man, it, it was... It was uh, interesting to watch.
0: I also think it's funny because Corbin Walker was out. You and I both agree Corbin is a good player, one of the most underrated players on the grids. He doesn't get any of the stats because nobody throws his way. I mean, Justin Ford's great, but there's also a reason Justin Four got nine picks last year because Corbin Walker <laughs> was all over his guy. And he only had 15 tackles. That means nobody's throwing at you. Also, though... Uh, I think the, one of the most hilarious dynamics right now in college football with all this transferring is when guys play against the school they transferred from, and that school just tries to give it to them. I mean, we saw this when Montana State played Oregon State. I mean – they were just attacking Jeffrey Manning. He was just over and over and over, running slants right at him, trying to put him on skates, making him make decisions. It was the same thing in this game. They were like, all right, Jaden Dawson, you don't want to play at Idaho State? Good luck. Guard Xavier Gilroy and see what's going to go. And Gilroy's really good, too. So uh, there's. Gay- highly, I,
5: that's the other thing that, that's fascinating about, especially in today's day and age with the transfer portal and all that. I'm just always, I always admire guys like Gilroy who stay at Idaho State, and that dude is. So, I mean, very, very impressive. Athletically, obviously, I mean, across the board. Athletically,
0: ran good routes. I mean, Andrew, Andrew Houghton compared him to Lance McCutcheon. He look, he's kind of like McCutcheon. I think he actually is more fluid than McCutcheon. He's not quite as uh, explosive. McCutcheon is just like a beast. He'll just go get the ball. but not quite as big, right? Not quite as big. But I mean, he's 6'1", 197. I mean, he's big for the receiver.
5: No, it's, it's a, so that's cool. I always wonder why those guys don't transfer more often. But, I'm you know, I'm glad they don't. I'm glad that that's, they need those guys.
0: For sure. Well, as you know, you've worked with a lot of these Grizz guys, and we've been around the guys outside of the field too. I think that the other thing that sometimes fans and analysts both forget is that these guys have lives. I mean, he might just really like his classes at Idaho State, or he might have a really nice girlfriend that goes to Idaho State, or you know, maybe his grandma lives in Pocatello, or there's just so many different things that that cause uh, guys to stay or go or whatever. I don't think it's necessarily like as much me, me, me as we want it to be. Well,
5: I think you're right. I think, I honestly think, you know, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of kids, a lot of you know, adults. They're they're adults; they're not kids anymore. That have more loyalty than we think. I mean, sure. the transfer portal gets so much hype, which again, tons of kids enter it. I get it, and there's a lot of good reasons why they do. But I also think there's something to be said about loyalty. Yeah. I mean, maybe the kid just wants to be loyal to, likes well, the new coaching staff, and which I think is that's
0: positive. We also have a, a little sample size now. It's been going for like two or three years where this has even been possible. Now we have a sample size. Most of the guys that hit the portal didn't go anywhere. And the ones that did, they didn't go anywhere better. I mean, look at the Grizz basketball guys. Like, I liked all those guys, but like, you tell me Bethune Cookman's better than Montana? It's not. You know, like, good luck playing at UC Riverside. That's not as good as Montana. It's not as good of a program. It's not as good of an atmosphere. It's not as good of an experience. It's not as good of a town. None of it. So, uh, I think that maybe you guys are wising up though too. Like, hey, my buddy who's two years older transferred, and he's still in the portal. Maybe I don't want to. So I don't know. There's a lot there.
5: I also, can, I also hope that. With the data that's that's
0: now come about since it's what two years you said? I think that the t- portal has been like a phenomenon for about two years. Yeah, I guess like twenty nineteen before the pandemic was like the first year that it was really right. a deal.
5: So I guess three years. I just think there's there's good reasons for kids to transfer, and I just I don't ho- I hope we can get to a spot. This might be wishful thinking, but I hope we can get to a spot where it's more of a positive dynamic than it is kind of this kind of. I don't know, animosity-driven, like, oh, I hated the coach or I hated the program or whatever. Um, but I think that's, I think to our point, I think that's kind of where it's
0: headed. Well, I thought that Brent Vegan, after the Montana State game, he he had such a good quote about Sean Chambers. He said, Sean Chambers didn't want to leave Wyoming, but Sean Chambers had gotten hurt four times and lost his job four times. And then Brent Vegan, who's his coach, leaves and all of a sudden Chambers is sitting there like man the experience I came here for wasn't here and so I'm either going to stop playing football or I'm going to give it one more shot. and like Vegan said that's what transferring should be about to write your story well at the end of the day and this is Lucas Johnson's story right now too right Lucas Johnson was 50-50 if he was going to come back or not he goes to the San Diego State he says "Oh, I'll be back I'd like to come back and they're like well sorry man we filled your spot with well, somebody else who by the way is not better than Lucas Johnson but that's a complete uh, side point
5: Thank you. I watched San Diego <laughs> (laughs) State against (laughs) San Jose. No, I forget. They played. I watched their game on Friday and I couldn't think of that. That's all I thought about watching this dude. Unfortunately, he got hurt throughout the game, but I was like, man, I don't don't know if I see him being better than Lucas Johnson, but neither here nor there. We got him now.
0: Yeah, for sure. But I mean, that was Lucas Johnson, too. He wanted to write the last chapter of his story. That's what transferring should be about. It's, you know, the dudes who come to school for 30 seconds, you know, they're there for a semester. I mean, you and I are both from Missoula. Went to school in Missoula. After my first semester of college, I was like, "Yeah, hey, I don't know. I don't want to go here anymore. I want to go somewhere else, or I want to drop out. I want to work full time, whatever." My dad was like, "Shut up! You're going to school." And but you know, it's the same thing. It's always hard. College is hard transition. You know, you're away from your mom. She's not cooking you dinner anymore. You got to figure out how to do your laundry, all that stuff. So, but that stuff, I think, when guys just start transferring right out the right. gates, it's not great. But if it's uh, if it's actually to have an opportunity to write uh, the end of your story. Uh, certainly a good one. Big Sky Breakdown, Nick Tabor joining us here. Uh, Coulter Nuana is coming to you from Westpac Wealth. West, uh, Nick Tabor and Westpac Wealth, uh, one of the presenting sponsors of Skyline Sports all season long, as well as this Big Sky Breakdown podcast. All right, you got your notes. What do you got written down here?
5: So you I always love your three big things oh, yeah. that you've been doing with the Grizz and all the right. Cats. Um, <clears throat> sort to follow that theme, uh, okay. first of all, one of f- from Saturday, one of the uh, difficult situations for the Grizz is when Trajan Cotton got ejected for the... Which I think was probably called correctly, in all fairness. Uh, but it was just because of the, the the nuance or the rule of the targeting call. But obviously it wasn't like a huge... I mean, it's not like he took the crown of the helmet to somebody's dome. But anyway, he got kicked out of the game. I think that was a huge impact and hasn't been talked about a whole lot. Question for you, Coulter: Is he gone for the first half of the next game? I think that's right. Um, so that's that's gonna.
0: I think it's gonna hurt. But it happened in the first half, though, right? It like in the first. Quarter. So that's right. No, he's not. Then he's that. Okay. That game is good. He, if it was the second half, he would be. But he's not because it happened in the first All
5: half. Right. Uh, he's been playing really well. I think he provides some of the so where the Grizz have been a little bit vulnerable. Well documented. I don't know if it's fair to say vulnerable, but where teams have tried to attack them is up the middle, up the seams, and I think he has. He's been a, a pretty staunch. Defender in that area, but I also think he's filled the role of like the the uh, enforcer back there that Gavin Robertson played last year. And I, I was I thought that was one of, if not the biggest loss for the Grizz heading into this year. Was Gavin, even though he got no big sky accolades, I don't think, and um, you know didn't get a whole lot of recognition. Had his had his stomach issue throughout, missed a lot of time last year. But when he was back there and when he was healthy, in both pass and run, that dude could come up and fill and hit. And he was he was I think underrated in, in pass coverage. So losing Trajan because I think he's filled that role both as an enforcer and his his pass protections solid. I think it's a big loss for him. Uh, I don't know if it's why they almost got beat by Idaho State, but I think that's a, an underrated loss for that game for the Grizz. And glad that he's going to be back full strength on the Idaho
0: game. I don't know if they almost lost the Idaho State got a bunch of garbage yards again. I mean. Here's the deal, man. If you turn the ball over five times. That was my dramatic fan. Yeah, right. If you turn the ball over five times, and I'm counting five turnovers because they had two turnovers on downs as well, uh, on the road, you lose. Mm -hmm. Pretty much always. Unless you have a special teams touchdown or a defensive touchdown. They didn't have that either, and that was the first time they haven't had that either. So I actually thought it was a good thing for Montana because they had to learn how to win. They had to prove to themselves they could win. Without crazy momentum shifting plays, they've gotten insane momentum shifting plays all four of their first four wins. Then they had to actually win the old fashioned way while also overcoming a bunch of mistakes. So I don't know. I think it's. Completely- it was fun. It was fun to watch them run for a bunch
5: of yardage. That's the first time that this year. I mean, they've been running the ball good, but that was the first time that I felt like the. Actually, they have been running the ball very well. I would say they've yeah. been, you know, they've been very good in terms of even numbers and uh, the old line's been getting good push. But I thought the way that they ran the ball against Idaho State was fun. And you're exactly right. If they don't have the, especially like the key, if Lucas doesn't fumble the ball, yeah. that game's probably 35-6 to six That's right. at the end of it.
0: That's right. so, or even one more touchdown. I, yeah. You know, who knows? But it's interesting. Um, I also think that the first four games is what teams are doing schematically. They were saying, hey, we're going to make this new quarterback beat us. Yeah. Then he was pretty much perfect through four games. So then I think Idaho State was like, okay, well, we're going to, not let Aaron Fonts and Keelan Wiles, although Keelan Wiles did get loose on one play. Well, we're not going to let the receivers and the quarterback beat us. We're going to make them beat us with the inside run game. Okay, so then they did. Marcus Knight has his first 100-yard game. Nick Oswald has his best performance so far of the year. And uh, I think the offensive line is looking, looking pretty good. I think Montana's vulnerability on the offensive line is is in pass pro, especially on the left side of the line, because he have got two new guys in Liam Brown and Chris Walker. But run game-wise, I think that – Finally, they've been running the zone blocking scheme for four and a half, five years now. They finally have the inside guys to do it, and I, I, I think that McGinnis is one of the better players on the inside in the league in the run game for sure. And Liam will see what his status is going forward. He got knocked out of that game.
5: I did not see so him walking like, around at the uh, at yeah. the end of the game, so I think yeah. he's hopeful he'll be all right. Yeah. Was, what else? What else? He got written down. There? Uh, I was conf- on Liam. I was confirmed. You know, obviously he looked like he was a bane, but I. When I saw him walking around after the game, I think uh, hopefully he'll be back because he's been – I know that Coach Hawk's been very high on him. For sure. Especially as a freshman. Uh, for sure. I just want to talk about the three-headed monster, the running running game. It just uh, – I mean, I think last year that team is – that's a huge – because they had a pretty good solid offensive line last year. Sure. They had a kid – a guy in the NFL now. Yeah. Um, their left – super experienced left tackle, and then all the guys in the middle back for the most part. Yeah. Um, but they just didn't have a dude that could run it up there and, and mix it up like in the way for that sure. Osmo runs. And, and obviously, have a night go for a hundred plus yards it was awesome to see him get in the bat in the mix. But to have those three dudes healthy this year yeah. is huge. Because the offensive strong, as hard as Osmo runs and as big as he is, I think that even just if we would have had him last year, because he broke his foot, I think the last week of fall camp last year, yeah. if we would have had Osmo last year, I think not that we had a bad season, but I think that that's that offense, I think that would have changed uh, Cam hum- Humphrey's game a lot. For okay. sure. Established more of a power run game. For sure. Um, so I just I just love how the season's shaking out for those three. Yeah. I think come October and November and December, having those three dudes healthy, so knock to what they stay that way. Is going to be super super beneficial for this team, especially with all the weapons they have in the pass game. Yep. And having Lucas Johnson, obviously, we know his his skill set as a passer and runner. But uh, it was it was awesome to see Marcus get uh, unleashed, um, unhitch the wagon, and uh, wish he could have scored that last. I quarter. know he got hocked. The 15, the fifteen extra
0: pounds finally counted. He's four yards short because of fifteen extra. I feel your pain, Marcus. Exactly. Uh, but I, I do think that the. Uh, the fact that here, here's the deal with college football this day and age. If you're gonna run, you're either gonna run inside zone, outside zone, or gap scheme. Grizz run inside zone. Running inside zone is a hell of a lot easier when you can run zone read stuff, and the quarterback is a real risk to keep the ball. Last year, Cam Humpy can kind of move, but like he's not better than a division one linebacker. He's not gonna beat a division one linebacker in the edge ever. Lucas Johnson can. That opens up so much stuff, too. That's where these littler running backs can have so much success. I mean, look look at Elijah Elliott at Montana State and Xavier Harris at Montana. They're basically the same guy, also, although I think Harris is a lot more of a physical runner than, than Elliott. Elliott's more of a scat back. But they're still you know, kind of undersized guys, a lot of speed. But Elliott's had so much success because he's been playing with Tommy Mallott and Sean Chambers. Yeah. And now Xavier Harris gets to do that, too. I mean. The difference is when the defense, when the end crashes, and then you give, you score a sixty four yard touchdown like Xavier Harris right. did against Portland State. Yeah. So I think the running element of the quarterback is a big part of it too.
5: Huge part of it. And yeah, you're right. I mean I yeah, I mean like Lucas. You don't know, basically have three three bigger <laughs> no basically you do have three bigger faster, stronger dudes to complement what we had last year in Xavier Harris back there on the football, so it's a huge huge deal, and most importantly, I think it fits we saw this last year because we didn't see a huge adjustment but it fits what they want to do on offense, they want to establish the run they want to have those offensive linemen leaning on the defensive guys in the third and fourth quarter and making those two to three or four yard runs into five and six yard runs and we've seen that, we've seen that through the first five games of the year
0: all right, so let's talk some financial stuff. Um, hey, real quick. I didn't get number three. Oh, what's number three? Sorry. Yes. I thought we – got to
5: give a shit. We already talked the offensive line. Gonna, we got to talk about Ty, Tyler Flink and the linebacker crew. The whole guy. Marcus, obviously Pat, Flink. I hope we get Braxton back. I think sure, Braxton will be fine. I think
0: he, there, it sounds like he's be out about a month. So after the buy, that will be about two more weeks. Mike Matthews
5: is plays extremely well when he gets in there. Levi Janicaro yeah, we got two Big Sky dudes. You know, I'm hell a hell of a I love the Missoula guys getting in there. Well, especially and the Big Sky man. they are, they guys, are man. balling out. They're playing extremely well. It's fun to
0: watch. I just love it. It's tremendous. I think those Big Sky kids are such a great story, too, you know. Yeah. Because uh, the Janiceros, you know, losing their mom. And Flink's been their best friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, for forever. And... Uh, you know, Big Sky's had a lot of struggles and a lot of, over the years, but the best team they've had since my time at Big Sky was the, Janicero, uh, the Levi Janicaro team that, that won eight games and then they got upset by Sentinel in the playoffs, actually. But uh, it's cool for those guys. I think they have the 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 perfect like blue collar mentality that Bobby Houck likes. And Levi Janicaro and Coulter too. They don't say two words. They just go and lift the weights and do the thing and and set the tone. But that's the kind of guys. Those are the dudes that define a program. I've have gotten asked this so often. What was the biggest missing piece for the Grizz in the ten years between when Bobby was uh, here and then he was gone? The frontline talent for the Grizz has always been really good, and I would actually argue in a lot of cases there's been better frontline talent than ever. I mean, you know, Jamal Jones was pretty freaking good. You know, like right. guys like that were yep. were pretty good. But the, the it's the guys that are the middle of the roster, the glue guys. When Levi Janicaro can kick your ass and he's stronger than you and he doesn't start, now everybody's on high alert. Like, you bring transfers in, you're like, well, that guy doesn't start. I better work harder. You know what I mean? those are the type of dudes that that's what defines Bobby Alex's program is you might have the biggest, baddest, strongest dudes that don't start. That's part of the whole magic of the whole thing. It's amazing. And I,
5: you know, it's well documented that, so I think in, in the years past, the offensive line and obviously probably the defensive line too, but that's been where we've had that circulation of Montana kids and that and that mentality kind of recirculate itself. But we've also seen that uh, you know we had we haven't gotten as many big dudes out of Montana in the last several years. But I think the linebacking spot is where that has transitioned to. For sure. Where we got a ton of Montana kids who play their tails off. For sure. Some out of state kids too, but that obviously quickly Absorb that mentality And then There's just a recirculation The new Montana kids That's right And learn so well From the older kids we got Pat O'Connor we got Marcus Wellnow. Those dudes are they, they do it as good As anybody in the In the country In my opinion And, and to have All the young guys Be able to learn from them Is, is invaluable
0: Well and that's why too You know that's why you want to recruit guys that want to be a part of the program because then you can bring them in and you can experiment with them until they find their way. I mean, right. Flint came in as a fullback. Now he's playing inside linebacker. Janet Carroll came in as a quarterback, turned running back, turned fullback, turned tight end, turned, now linebacker. He's got a spot. Carson Rostad came in as a quarterback. Those guys, if they're dedicated to the deal, then they'll learn, and then all of a sudden you can have all the I mean, – their whole linebacker core, when they were coming out of high school, the only dude that got a scholarship was Michael Matthews. Everybody else was oh, a locker. That's crazy. That's so right? true. Right? And you're, ta- and you're not just talking about I the guys that are just, that. like, playing above their head. You're talking about a bunch of dudes who would start everywhere in the league. I mean, Braxton Hill would be everybody else's best linebacker. He just happens to play with Marcus Wellnell and Patrick O'Connell. It's that's crazy. crazy. That's, I love mm-hmm. it. Uh, yeah, so
5: I think that – I mean, I'd love to see the old lineman. Uh, the old lime and pipeline come back, but uh, for now I'll take the line back and crew because it's the same deal. it's, it's awesome.
0: For sure. Uh, give us your financial tip of the week. You are my financial. Coach. Thing,
5: <laughs> I love that term Coulter, because you know, I get so many questions, especially in times like this when the economy is where it's at. You know in a recession headed into a recession, there's all these you know, headwinds in the economy. The, the markets obviously come down significantly this year. Just uh, just coming on the heels of three straight quarters of declining markets, so you get lots of questions, lots of concerns from existing clients. Uh, but what I wanted to share today, Coulter, was it's it's very very important to have a trusted advisor, yep. have a coach, yep. who can help, basically help you stay disciplined through these, especially these types of times, and with the risk of sounding cliche, our philosophy is truly to help clients take advantage and be aggressive and um, really catapult themselves financially yeah. during times like this because you know the, the market obviously 2010 20, 20, say 20 to 30 percent down across different indexes and in the market broadly um, real estates kind of the same thing obviously not near as much down here in Western Montana I'm not sure what kind of uh, what kind of dip we'll see if we see one in in Montana, I feel somewhat insulated in that regard. But for sure. But in general, you you need to have somebody who you can trust to walk through times like this to avoid the uh, the pitfalls of of what the media had the hype and the, what the media has to say and the, for sure. the emotional aspects of investing. Because if you can maintain strategy, you can tr- truly be aggressive and take advantage of, of times like this. And I think that's. More than I mean, we have we've talked about before. We have all the different places to put money to invest in what what have you. But the biggest thing is is to maintain discipline, maintain strategy, and to take advantage of times like this because this is when um, this is when things are down. Obviously, the market right now, um, but even across the board in investing, you can be aggressive, and that's how that's how we get ahead.
0: Nick Tabor, Westpac Wealth. You want a financial coach? More financial advice, you want to make your life more tax efficient, give Nick and his team a call today. Good stuff, man. Thanks for being here. Thanks, buddy. Time now for our Montana State Minute, and we have a new contributing guest here on our Montana State Minute, hopefully the first of many. He is the new play-by-play man for the Montana State Bobcat football team. Keaton Gologli joins us here uh, on Nuwana's Now as well as on the Big Sky Breakdown podcast, skylinesportsmt.com. Keaton, thanks for being with us, man. How you doing?
6: Hey, yeah, I'm doing doing good. We're into the rhythm of the season and uh, excited to talk some football with y'all. First of all, tell people just a
0: little bit about your background. You've been uh, working at a very high level of college sports, but mostly calling hoops. So uh, just take us through it a bit. Where are you from? Where did you go to school? Give us all the basics.
6: Yeah, so uh, I'm uh, 33 years old. I uh, grew up in Chicago, Illinois. I went to Valparaiso University uh, for college, which is in in northwest Indiana. They play football in the Pioneer Football League. And uh, graduated in 2011 with a sports media degree. Did a bunch of broadcasting there. Um, and then got into my career right after that. So I actually I graduated and walked across the stage on May fifteenth, two thousand eleven, and I was on the air in Green Bay, Wisconsin, uh, doing Northwoods League baseball by June first of that year. Um, and since then, uh, I've been on the road every six months. So uh, I did some minor league baseball in Wisconsin, then went back to my alma mater and worked on the football and basketball broadcasts um, over there. And then uh, from there, I got my first affiliated baseball internship in 2012 in uh, lansing with the lug nuts and the class a level uh that's when i got another fairly decent size break uh with michigan state and uh, i got got the opportunity to be the voice for michigan state women's basketball uh starting that season the uh, 2012 2013 season which was awesome um and i ended up spending 10 years there uh over the winters while also continuing to pursue baseball so for 10 years i was going to east lansing and then out to California to work uh, with the Mariners minor league affiliate, the Modesto nuts. So I was bouncing back and forth on the road every six months, making that cross country drive twice a year um, and uh, doing all that. And then uh, I was just kind of staying ready when it came to football. So just doing a lot of high school stuff. We had like, uh, there was a high school game of the week, package for one of the local radio stations so that's kind of where I stayed sharp I did some like mock broadcasts for Michigan State football early when I was there back in like the Connor Cook Jeremy Langford days Um, just kind of staying sharp and uh, eventually this summer uh, this position became open and Sure, lo and behold it just kind of worked out and and now I'm here so my last baseball game was August 11 and then I took that weekend to drive over here and I think I got here August 15th and uh, since then I've just <laughs> had my head down and getting to know Montana state football getting to know Bozeman getting to know cat country and just uh just getting into it man and it's uh, it's been fun man it's really it's really been a blast
0: keen globally joining us here on Nuanas now espn radio new play-by-play man for the montana state bobcats uh it's interesting you mentioned the baseball angle i th- i think that well i mean obviously i'm a radio guy too i love radio but i think that baseball takes a distinct skill set uh, also a distinct pace but when you do it right i think it's the best sport on the radio so um what well, where does your love of, of baseball come from
6: I don't know. I just woke up one day and uh, my all of my memories start with me loving baseball and, <laughs> and all sports, really. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't even tell you the first baseball or basketball or football game I went to because it was just what we did. Um, so, yeah, it's just something I've always been in. It's what I played the most growing up. I started playing a little bit of football, peewee football. I hurt my back. My mom said, nope, that's it. You're done. <laughs> so didn't play a ton of football. Uh, Grew up watching the Bears in Chicago, so I know what bad football looks like, and I know what good defense looks like, Um, and I know what a great return man looks like, but uh, no, I mean, I just, I got into it early, and you know, when I was going through my career, and as I'm applying for jobs, the jobs I got were were baseball jobs, and and, uh, I'm grateful for it. I mean, I did did something like 1,500 games in Modesto alone, uh, over 2,000 minor league games in my career, so I can tell you that I've done I've done a broadcast in every possible, like, physical state you can imagine. Exhausted, tired, excited, sad, angry, whatever it is, because it's every day, you know? I mean, it, it's funny when we get home after a, a later kick on the road or, you know, we have this super late game like we did on Saturday. You know, I'm good. Like, okay, yeah, I'm going to be a little tired the next day, but you know what I don't have the next day? Another broadcast. So <laughs> I'm kind of good, and it, it takes a lot to kind of throw me off my... Uh, throw me off my game with all the stuff that you deal with at that level
0: <laughs> no doubt uh our our minor league we're the we're the affiliates for the uh, missoula paddleheads and our baseball guy jeff safford who's did a great job for us these last two summers he uh no rest for the weary, to be sure. I mean, that was a 95-game season in about 102 days, and they're taking a bus all over the northwest of the United States. I mean, it's not, there's no short way to get to Boise, Idaho, or Grand Junction, Colorado. So, uh, definitely a grind. Keaton Gologli joining us here uh, on the Montana State Minute for the week. He is the new play-by-play man for the Montana State football team. And, uh, Keaton, here we are now, five games into the year. So, uh, I'll just ask you an open-ended question. What have you thought so far of your experience at Montana State? What do you think of this football team that you're right now
6: yeah man it is fun <laughs> people really pumped this place up to me before i got here i driven through montana once or twice i have some friends who had worked up in like great falls and and some other different places around montana and, and that sort of thing so i had a little bit of knowledge about Or people telling me what it was going to be like here and uh it has lived up to expectations. I mean, those are legit crowds. That's as loud as anything I've ever heard at 21,000 people the last couple of games. And the football is good, man. I mean, it's really fun. And, and I think it's interesting, too, just watching this Montana State team in particular, kind of this moment in Bobcat history. I got lucky to join it here and, and now. And there's so much different talent on this team. And even with the injuries and you know some of the adversity that they have faced, I, I think it's been really fun to just watch the coaching staff work with this skill set because there's so many different pieces. And I think when you, when you try to evaluate coaching staffs, it's really, really hard, very, very difficult. And I obviously do not have the same football knowledge that this, this staff has. But when you're watching a team that has as many different parts on it, you know that it takes a great skill to put those parts in a position to succeed. So I think it's been fun watching the way they've kind of worked all that stuff out to this point in the season. And uh, it's, uh, it's been great. And then the other aspect of it too is just learning more of the history. I mean, the amount of guys who are legacy players here, is just incredible. It's absolutely insane. I mean, we were just telling more of the the Daly story. You know, Bobby Daly and his dad who played here, who was an All-American, he was an All-American. His brother here was a, a great nationally recognized player as well. So, like, you know, just learning those stories both from the rest of my broadcast crew, talking to these guys and from the fans and just reading it all up, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. It makes it feel pretty special to be here. Montana State Minute is presented by J&V
0: Restaurant Supply. It's the heart of football season. The Bobcats have another home game coming up on Saturday. Go get everything you need for your tailgate at JNV Restaurant Supply. They have locations in Bozeman, Billings, Great Falls. You can also find them at jvrestaurant.com. Keaton, Keaton Gologli joining us here uh, on the Montana State Minute, the new play-by-play man uh, for the MSU Bobcats. Uh, anybody in particular that you've really enjoyed either watching or getting to talk to or uh, getting to know? Uh, who's uh, I mean, obviously, you know, you're the in-house guy. You, you, you got a lot of guys on the squad that you're going to get to know, a lot of guys that are – I mean, and these these guys, especially at this level, they're such good guys pretty much across the board in the big sky, not just at Montana State. But um, anybody that's really catch your eye or that you really really enjoying watching or, or uh, painting a picture of on the radio?
6: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, obviously what Sean Chambers do is doing is just incredible, and everybody knows that. So uh, to try to take it a, a step further, you know, what Willie Patterson has done going up and getting some of these footballs has been a, a real treat to watch. Uh, Robbie Alston, man, that kid has so much skill and talent. I feel like it, we haven't even scratched the surface of what he can do. So I just, I'm always waiting for a big blow up play from him. Uh, The, the, just watching all the different running backs that have come through has been wild. And then on the defensive end, I mean, Sebastian Valdez is an absolute monster. Louis Lekep has been a ton of fun to watch. Callahan O'Reilly, obviously stepping in and and making some big plays. Ty Okada, another sixth year guy uh, watching him fly around the field has been cool. And then talking to these guys, particularly on Cat Chat, you know, uh, the show we do with uh, Brent Vegan each week on Wednesdays at 6.30 over at Buffalo Wild Wings, I get a nice, solid, like, 10 minutes a guy, and we could really have kind of a, a true conversation. And Willie Peter Willie Patterson was amazing to talk to. He gave us so much. He's so motivational. He's got such great insight. He did a great job. Daniel Lewis, Lekepa, man, he had such a big smile on his face. He's just such a happy-go-lucky, just good kid. And Ty Cotta was funny, man. He was... He he was a hoot when we had him on the show. So, yeah, talking to these guys is really – it's been a lot of fun, and there's just so much to discuss with them, especially with how many of them have been here for so long. You know, that's one of the kind of interesting perks at this level of football. You know, if you don't feel like you have a sure pro experience waiting for you after your time is done at the collegiate level like this, well, take your take your six years and get after it, you know, and, and these guys are, and, and that's really uh, elevating the level of play we're watching.
0: It is fun, and those guys are all uh... – favorites of ours as well. I mean, I, th- I told Ty Alcada, you know, he can have a job as my co-host when he's done, but he's probably going to go make millions of dollars in private business or something. <laughs> but Willie Patterson, <laughs> we'll have a senior profile on Willie Patterson later on this week at SkylineSportsMT.com. So looking forward to catching up with Willie P. He's a guy that we've covered ever since he first committed to Montana State out of the Tacoma area and uh, definitely a guy that's so enthusiastic about uh, his own abilities as well as his football team and uh, he's having a breakout senior year, so uh, very fun. Keaton Gologli joining us here uh, on the Montana State Minute. Uh, last thing for you then, Keaton. Uh, the Bobcats have, I would argue, probably the two most pivotal wins of any Big Sky Conference team thus far in terms of the quality of the opponents that they've defeated in Eastern Washington and UC Davis and uh, sort of the circumstances behind the games as well. Playing in Cheney, uh, never never easy to win there. Uh, Bobcats are the first team to have a two-game winning streak on the red there uh, at the Inferno and then playing UC Davis for the first time in Bozeman since Jeff Choate's first Big Sky win back in 2016. Crazy to think it's been that long since the Aggies were in town but a team that was a playoff team a year ago as well as Eastern Washington so uh, two really solid victories for the Cats so far in Big Sky Cowards play. They sit at 4-1 and one overall and 4-0, uh, oh, or excuse me, number four in the country in the national polls. Uh, what do you think of this upcoming weekend's game, though? Because uh, the gauntlet starts in a couple weeks. I think that the uh, the average fan, the average observer, would look at the schedule and say, oh, Idaho State and Northern Colorado, those are two of the quote-unquote worst teams in the league, but got to avoid a trap game, can't be dropping one at home. W- what do you think uh, about the Bengals in your uh, initial prep here, and uh, what do you think of these upcoming two weeks just in terms of basically having to take care of business to set up everything else down the stretch for the Bobcats?
6: Yeah, you know, it's funny, like, we can have that conversation. We are allowed to look one, two, three, four sure. weeks ahead and kind of look a picture, but you know, Coach can't. Like, we're not talking about that when we talk to Coach or some some of these other guys, but you're right. I mean, when you look at the overall schedule for Montana State, it's relatively favorable in a lot of different ways, uh, but at the same time, I mean, the the skill that's in this conference is just mind-boggling. Like, you see Davis is a 1-4 in four team. Like, are you kidding me? That is a really, really skilled team, and they're going to probably have to win out if they're going to even have a shot to make the playoffs but that team is definitely talented enough to be in the playoffs so like that's really really impressive stuff and i know it sounded so cliche to people all week when we're saying, got to throw the 1-3 record out. Got to throw the 1-3 record out. Okay, well, you know, it's only a cliche because we just that's the truth. Like, that's just what is happening. And the Idaho State team, I mean, the record is what it is. They're winless. Okay. But at the same time, under first year head coach, they got over 50 new guys on this roster. And you got to look at the eye test. I mean, again, that's something that sounds cliche, but it's just that's how you have to evaluate some of these teams. And they played the University of Montana with energy, with passion, with hunger. You know, they they worked their tails off. In that game and they've had some adversity they're a couple men deep on their depth chart in terms of their quarterback so they got some weapons they had looked like they had some real push on the defensive line I mean they had Lucas Johnson moving around a little bit I would love to know the numbers on how many of his throws were on the move in that game because he was not just sitting up in a clean pocket so you're gonna have to make sure you pass protect for sure in this game and they have some big strikes on the uh, on the offensive end so I'm excited. I mean, it's going to be a good football game. It's Big Sky Conference. It doesn't matter. Montana State is always going to get the other team's absolute best shot. Like you right to talk about this on our broadcast last week. You don't see this environment outside the state of Montana in this conference. So that's how they're going to make teams kind of quake in their boots and weaken the knees, or it's going to pump them up with some adrenaline as well, and they're going to feed off that energy too. And, yeah, it's a hostile crowd, but when you've got that type of stage in front of you for a lot of players, that's when they play their best. So You're always getting guys best shots. You're going to get Idaho State's absolute best shot. If you want to win the Big Sky Conference, if you want to win a national championship, and you want to beat the Grizz, the same three goals every single year, you've got to set it up by beating Idaho State this week, and then you can move on from there. So, yeah, I'm excited. I mean, it's going to be a good game no matter what. Idaho State's going to come ready to play, and you only get 11, 11 per year in the regular season, so enjoy each of them while you got them.
0: Keenan Glogley, he is the new play-by-play man for the Montana State Bobcat football team. And uh, this is our Montana State Minute presented by JNV Restaurant Supply. Keaton, great stuff, man. We'll catch up with you very soon. But in the meantime, best of luck with the call on Saturday. And thanks so much for joining us today. You bet. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Whether you're in the restaurant business or you just want to host any big event, J&V Restaurant Supply can make sure you have everything you need. JV Restaurant Supply is your home for everything kitchen. Whether you're a bear or a bobcat, an eagle or a scotty, JV Restaurant has everything you might need. They have locations in Bozeman, Billings, and Great Falls. But if you can't make it in, J&V also has a great website, jvrestaurant.com. Get everything you need for your next event at JV, your restaurant specialist. Lapping out for Across the Sidelines where we profile some of the opponents for both Montana and Montana State. Last week, first-year Idaho State head coach Charlie Raggle joined us. This week in the uh – Sake of not repeating, although Coach regal was great last week, we are joined by Sagan Gronauer. He's the sophomore quarterback for Idaho State Bengals. He just made his first career start this last week against Montana, a narrow 28-20 loss for the Bengals. Second, first of all, thanks for being with us, man. Uh, just take us through it. What was it like getting prepared for the start, and uh, what was it like uh, at the beginning of the game when when you were uh, sort of the man under center for the Bengals for the first time?
7: Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. It's an honor to be on the show. um yeah just a, a bunch of different emotions going on when you're you know uh, taking the helm you know uh, taking snaps you know being the the first quarterback out there and stuff it's a lot of different emotions um and honestly just blessed to you know have that opportunity it was uh you know a great experience and I'm looking forward to just capitalize off of my opportunities
0: such an interesting prep a week ago because you know i've I've been covering the Grizz as a beat writer or a radio guy or whatever for uh, I guess 16 years now and this defense that they're on right now is definitely one of the most confusing that I've ever seen I think that now I kind of get it but it took me probably 30 games to figure out just exactly what the movements were the slants the stunts the alignments the pressures all that sort of stuff how'd the prep go for you last week Uh, what were the challenges
7: yeah, I mean Montana's a really good team. Uh, I mean they've been one of the best in the Big Sky for years. Um it kind of goes back, I mean we've, um I was here in 2019 when we game plan for them It was uh, you know, the same defense and stuff and kind of brought some ideas that I had like that we had then to this game and um I just um like, you know, going over film and stuff. It's just all always preparation and stuff and I believe I was uh very well prepared the last week. Um, just you know, watching them and they do a lot of different stuff. That's very true. I mean, they're they're very good defense, and it was uh, it was a re- it was a real challenge. And I, I you know I was welcome to it.
0: Let's talk about your offense in general. Then, what sort of progress do you think you guys have made? What have been the points of emphasis? Because I think that when you watch you guys, uh, Idaho State certainly has some talent. Um, Xavier Gilroy, definitely one of the best guys I've seen in the league. He's a very very dominant physical. Physically talented receiver, so it sort of starts with him. But what, what sort of progress do you guys have made as an overall unit, and uh, what are the points of emphasis to keep improving there at Idaho State?
7: Yeah, the one thing we need to really, you know, improve on is to score more points. Um, at, at the end of the day, whoever scores the most points wins the game. Uh, it all starts with us uh, on the offense. I mean, we have the guys to do it. I mean, we have the coaches to do. it. We have everybody to do it. It's uh, it comes down to execution at the end of the day. Our coach talks about it all the time, and we just you know execute more plays here and there. I mean, X is a great receiver. We got other guys like Raiden. We got Cyrus. I mean, I, no, just, just I mean, offensive line up front's really good. I mean, everybody on offense is really good, and uh, I mean, we just got to keep improving week by week. I think uh, I, uh, if you watch us, I mean, I think each week we take steps forward, and you know, and there's improvements and stuff, and I, it's really good to see and and
0: hopefully, we keep on improving. Sagan Gronauer joining us here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Sagan, a sophomore quarterback for the Idaho State Bengals. They make their way to Montana to play Montana State on Saturday. This is our Across the Sidelines presented by vance thompson vision vance thompson vision helping you see across the sideline all season long second so tell me about the uh, transition under charlie raggle a first year head coach seems like he's got a ton of passion and enthusiasm but coaching changes never easy always come with some challenges always come with some growing pains how have you guys done with it so far what are some of the biggest changes that you have noticed uh with coach raggle at the helm
7: Oh, Coach Regal's been awesome Uh, throughout the whole coach change. You know, you never know what's going to happen when a new coach comes in. You know, there's always changes with people, like personnel and stuff, coaches going in and out. And uh, Coach Regal's been awesome. It was a really easy transition. He's a great coach He wants to win, and we believe in him, and we're trying to win for him. I mean, that's like he's a very passionate guy that makes us want to play harder for him, and we know how much it means to him, and that's why we go out there every Saturday and give it our best. I mean, he's an awesome guy, great coach, and I mean, I really can't say much about. It. He's just a, a fantastic head coach for us.
0: And also, I want to ask you about the guys playing in front of you because part of Montana's scheme is to just put so much pressure on you. You're going to face uh, an equally high pressure, if not completely different, defense in terms of scheme in Montana State this upcoming week. Well, Montana State has com- a couple of the best defensive linemen uh, in the conference. So, how important is your offensive line? I thought your offensive line played well last week, keeping you uh, relatively clean, especially considering how many sacks and how much pressure Montana can actually bring. What have you thought of your offensive line play? Uh, what can you say about them so far this season?
7: Yeah, I mean, they they played fantastic all, uh, last week. I mean, they played really well all year. I mean, uh, I mean each week we improve. You know, communication gets better. Um, I mean, when you go from, you know, three different quarterbacks, communication can be challenging. Um I mean, I'm trying my best to communicate with those guys. I mean, each week we, I talk to them and you know see what, like see what they see and stuff. And uh, it's a it's a it's a good learning experience. Uh, you know, doing helping them out, helping me out. I mean, they keep me up, and uh, they did a great job last week. And we're looking forward to the challenge this week. I mean, we are um, we're excited about it, and I think those guys up front are very excited about facing some really good uh, pass rushers.
0: Montana State coming off. Uh two of the bigger wins in the Big Sky so far this year, beating a couple of playoff teams from a year ago, winning at Eastern Washington 38-35, and then winning last week at UC Davis 41-24. When you put the tape on for the Bobcats, what generally do you see? Well, what do you think of this opponent that you guys face on Saturday?
7: I mean, first, they're a really good team. Um, that's just one thing that pops out right away. I mean, they, they were in the national championship game for a reason last year. I mean, talent-wise, I mean, we know what they bring offensively. Defensively, they... They're really solid. I mean, they got guys in there. I mean, yeah, they lost some dudes last year, but, man, they got – I mean, they retool, and they're really good this year. I mean, putting it on the tape, you can tell that, you know, they're they're just a really good team, and they, you know, they scheme well.
0: Second Ground Hour joining us here on Across the Sidelines. Nguan is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app Across the Sidelines presented – by Vance Thompson Vision. What do you guys think of the challenge of going to Bozeman? I know that you were there uh, a year ago and uh, slugfest of a game. Really, really physical game. Montana State was able to pull away late. Had a couple long touchdowns in the fourth quarter. But do you take any confidence since you did compete well at the venue last year? And and what do you think of just going to Bozeman, playing at Bobcat Stadium, one of the best uh, venues in the FCS?
7: I mean you said it, I mean Bob Cat Satan is one of the best um venues in the FCS. I mean it's it's a tough challenge anywhere on the road. I mean anywhere in the conference, you know. Um it's uh it's a it's a it's a great experience to play up there. I think we're I think we're ready for it. Um, you know, our guys I mean, I mean practicing this week, we're we're ready to go up there and, you know, play our game and I think everybody here is excited for it. And it's a great place to play, I think. You know, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a good game again, and I uh, have every faith in our guys.
0: Second, Gronauer joining us here on Nuanas now. Last thing for you, then: what are the keys to victory for Idaho State if you're going to come out with a win on Saturday? Uh,
7: I mean, uh, it starts with you know we have to play with great effort again. Um, you know, against Montana, it's a really good team. Against Montana State, play with great effort again. Uh, I got to be better with the ball for sure. Um, and, you know, we've we got to limit turnovers. That's one thing that, you know, we got to win the turnover battle, and I, it starts with me and it starts with the guys on offense and, and just take, take care of the ball and, you know, limit the mistakes. And that's, that's really how you win basically any football game uh, when it comes down to it is just you can't turn the ball over.
0: We'll be in Bozeman, uh, Skyline Sports, taking a whole crew over there. So very much looking forward to a little homecoming Saturday there at Bobcat Stadium, and looking forward to seeing Idaho State live and in person for the second week in a row. Sagan Gronauer joining us here on Nuanas Now ESPN Radio. Sagan, thanks so much for being with us, man. Best of luck on Saturday.
7: Oh, Thanks so much for having me on. There's a lot of things that make Montana great, from the mountains and lakes to some of the finest towns in the West. But what really makes this place special is you. Our communities are full of people who are working hard to build good lives and remarkable things. At Opportunity Bank, our passion is helping folks do just that. Together, we can make a good thing even better. Opportunity Bank of Montana. Stop by and see us or visit us online. Member FDIC.